Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Post and Black, where we celebrate Black excellence behind the lens. My name is David Hunter Jr., and I'm excited to have you join us for today's episode. We are thrilled to have with us Jesse Dodd, ADR and Foley re-recording mixer. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my honor. It's my oh, honor. It is your honor. Well, we appreciate you. We're excited to have you. Uh, and before we dive in, before we jump in, as a custom to Post and Black, we always like to start with a icebreaker. Are you okay with that? Let's do it. All right. If you had only one song to listen to for the rest of your life, what song would you choose? Deja Vu by Tina Marie. Oh, wow. Why is that? that that's a good one. Why is that? It touches my spirit and my soul um, backwards and forwards, and it always has. So oh. that would be it. I love it. I love how- And the message is awesome. Yeah. So. That would be it. I love how quickly you answered. I love how sure you were your answer. You know, I'm asking myself the thing. I'm an Erica Badu guy. And so right off the As bat, am I. you know what I mean? Anything off Mama's Gun, I'm I'm playing it. I'll be fine. Listen, if there's an Erica Badu concert, if I'm not there, no one's there. You know what? We probably were in the same thing. I've been to the bowl. I went out to, you know, the casino. Shrine. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 Erica's yeah. my girl. It's uh, always a toss-up between her and Jill, but they're different. Yeah, they're yeah, they're you know, different. My, but my, my family's from Philly, too, so you know Jilly from Philly. Oh, indeed, Philly? indeed. Yeah, yeah. We, we there. Uh, well, look, well, look, well, let's dive in a little bit more. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what it is that you do? I um, was born and raised right here in South Central Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, grew up, you know, walking distance from Florence and Normandy. Wow. So, um, you know, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I am an ADR and Foley re-recording mixer. Went to Fairfax High School. Um, my, my, my education was kind of all over the place. I went to um, elementary in, in, in the hood. Mm-hmm. Went to um, Webster, was bust and then went to Fairfax, and then I left and went to Brandeis, so I was on the East Coast for a bit, and then I came back and I finished up at Cal State Northridge, so um, that that's kind of that whole travel and, and growing up yeah. part of it, the education part of it, so. That is that is awesome. And it's always, you know, I'm I'm not originally from LA, but I tell people I'm an East Coast boy, but I'm a West Coast man. I love LA very dearly. And Indeed. Uh, and and one thing I always ask for my for my natives, my friends that are from here, what is it like growing up here? Was it always an aspiration to want to work in entertainment? Because you did mention traveling to the East Coast, but growing up in LA, like I grew up outside of DC, I never truly thought about working in politics, but it was always something that I was like, oh, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to work in the government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go to the Pentagon. Was it like that for you in entertainment? You know, interestingly enough, it it was in a way, but it wasn't a thought that was formed because I lived here. It was just in here. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be some type of in entertainment on in some medium. I was always outgoing. I was always into something. There was never a thought about me doing anything else other than my mom wanting me to be a lawyer. Um, and so that did pop in and there was that there was a possibility that that could happen. Um, but I was always I mean, I was always I never 
ever remember me not wanting to be in entertainment, but I don't believe it was because I was here in Cali. Yeah. I, it, I, it was because of who I am and how I, how I move. Yeah. I, I, so. I actually, I, I get with that sentiment, you know, it's, it's something that and maybe we'll dive into this a little bit more as we go into your career and what, what, how you got started with that. But just in terms of like watching movies and the first thing you see, and it's just something about how it makes you feel. I said, man, I, I want to be part of that. I want to make people feel that way. And how do I do that? How do I get to tell a mm-hmm. story? You know, what, mm-hmm. how do I do what they're doing? The way they make me laugh, the way they move their eyes as an actor, there's something about that that really speaks to me. So y- y- can you talk about that journey? Obviously it was in you. What, what was the first, I guess, opportunity that kind of got you going in this direction on the career you're on? Well, you know, interestingly enough, I, I've been, I ride motorcycles. I've been a rider since I was about, since I could ride. So I was like, I think my first mini bike was at like six years old or something, somewhere in there. Um, and what I tapped into is what I do well. So I always gravitated toward what I like to do, um, you know. So as I I noticed, well, I didn't notice. I was always entertaining somebody doing something, you know. I, drill team, what whatever it was going on in school, yeah. I was in it, I, and um, so it found me. I didn't find it. Mm. Um, so that made it. It's always a labor of love. As I moved forward, toward, like in high school, I was in, and even in actually middle school, I would do video. I ran the cameras and I did stuff like that. Yeah. Um, also in high school, there was a program for a student news program. Mm-hmm. And I went to do that. So for a hot minute, I thought I wanted to be a, a newscaster because that aired on a, a PBS channel once a week. So I did that, right. you know, and again, it just found me. I just found myself. It was always something that was an extroverted type thing, even though I'm really kind of an introverted kind of person, yeah. which is, which is interesting. Um, and so that's, I just followed my, my path. I really did, you know, wherever it, somebody would tap on my shoulder, there I was. And so once I got to college, I did major in radio, TV, and film. Mm. And there was one particular project that we did that I was the technical director on it. So I said, okay, this is cool. This is really cool. So I started being behind the scenes. That's Mm -hmm. where that kind of started for me. Because on the student news program that I did in high school, I was in front of the camera. And I was going to ask you that as well. I was going to say that that call to be in entertainment, was it what, what, what made you go to behind the scenes? Like you were in front on in college, but what was that pull that, uh, you know, being a TD, what was that like for you to say, mm, this is different, I like this? Well, that connected, interestingly enough, back to the whole mini bike and motorcycle thing, mm-hmm. because I could fix anything. I was fixing my mini bikes. I was changing oil. I, I'm a tinkerer. Yeah. Um, I take things apart and put them back together. But my life just moved on and that's what happened. So when I got to the TD portion of it, it made that connection back to that because now I'm pulling things apart and putting them back together again, not necessarily always physically, but it was the same in theory. Um, And I was like, okay, this is cool. These are my people, you know? Um, And so that's kind of where that 
behind the scenes stuff started for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, that, that, and that's really good. And that 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 we always like to find out the beginning, like the origin of what what was that light bulb kind of. Oh, I'm intrigued. I want to go further into this. Sometimes that light bulb is tied to a, a person or individual that you see in the industry. And we touch on this a lot with, you know, post and black. It's like, was it somebody black working in that field? Was it just the, the the technicality of the situation? Or was it a mentor that said, you know what? I think, Jesse, I think you're kind of good at this. You want to look into this? Was there any of that that kind of, you know, helped you navigate even further or take it an extra step? Or was it just all kind of intrigue on your end? It was all serendipity. Okay. It, it, it really was um, and is still. I can't even begin to tell you how grateful and how blessed I am at the way my career has has progressed. Um, a, a little backstory, because I thought about it a bit. I have a lock on my father's door that I took apart and put back together when I was about 10, 11 years old. That lock is still on that door and operating so that's the tinkerer part in terms of as I was growing up, we got to a point where we started to see more blacks on TV. So that was always awesome. You know, everybody run to see the Jackson five or whoever, you know, got to be a red Fox show there were all these shows that, um, you know, started to come along and but there was really no one, and I do mean no one, that I know that did what I do or does what I do, wow. male or female. Wow. No one black, let me say that. Let me be specific. No one black. Um, I do have some some other black mixers that I know. Mm-hmm. But they don't do each little portion is its own little portion. That's why earlier when we had that discussion and I said we have these conversations amongst my colleagues about what your title is and what the titles are. They're important. Yeah. Um, well, can, so. can you talk about that a little bit? What it is that you do and why, you know, you done, haven't really seen a lot of people. And, and we can dive into that even more. And I know that's a full conversation. Um, Indeed. Black Indeed. people, black women in job. But what, what is it that you do and what is so unique about it in general? Okay. Uh, my As you said earlier, my official title is an ADR and Foley re-recording mixer. Yeah. We'll start with ADR. What ADR is after dialogue replacement or, or dialogue um, re-recording, which is, right. people take that ADR acronym and turn it into different things. Um, but what you do is the talent, whoever's acting in the show, will come into my stage, will put picture up on the screen, and for any lines that maybe there's a plane flying over, maybe they don't like the way it was delivered, or maybe there was some camera noise or whatever, right. there's a need to have that line replaced. Mm-hmm and have the actor redo it on stage. That's what I do on that end, on that side of it. And then from there, it's sent on to the editors, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. to, and to the dubbing re-recording mixers. Yeah. Um, Foley, which is probably the most interesting and unique thing, is all the external sounds that you hear that aren't done in sound design. For mm-hmm. instance, if I pick this, cup up and I sit it down, 
-hmm. you hear a noise from that happening. So we recreate that noise. We recreate footsteps. We recreate cloth. If there's a fight scene, we recreate all of that. Um, Or as much as needed. This sounds really, really cool and really exciting. But it sounds like there's a lot of work and and got to be creative with this. Well, you know, can you talk about that process and just like, I'm sure now it, maybe it's you know it's kind of seamless and you kind of know what you're doing. But what was it like doing that first gig and like now it's like <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, in terms of the work itself, yeah, it can be um, intense. However, it is a team. It's a group effort. It's a team mm-hmm. project. You know, you'll have someone spot all the things that need to happen. So I'll get a set of cue sheets and we're let's, and what's the same for Foley and ADR. Mm-hmm. I will get a set of cue sheets that say, Hey, at 010607 and whatever frames, we need a hand clap or at, you know, whatever time code, that's where we start this line for this actor to recreate it. So in terms of that, we have to follow it unless we're, sometimes we have to cue ourselves, which is a whole nother crazy, but, um, or they'll miss something and we'll go, well, we did this. We probably need to do this too. Um, So it it can be pretty crazy. The first gig, let me tell you, I'm not going to lie. I don't remember the first gig. <laughs> it's all a big blur. I would say, I would say, for those of those that are watching, those that are listening, just just IMDb Jesse, and and you'll see reason why it's not it's not for a faint of just bits. Your credits are just amazing, and just so so much you worked on. But you said it's a blur. Can you can you dive in and talk about that a little bit more about why you know? Well, simply because of, and again, this is me being as humble as I can. The volume. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are a lot of things that have been I've been honored and blessed to, to do. And and so I don't really remember. I, I can tell you there are a couple of like bodyguard that I remember. Thelma and Louise that I remember. You know, there are some that stick out mm-hmm. that I really do um, you know, be, and those were my early days. Yeah. Those those were my first days. Actually the bodyguard was the first ADR session that I that I do remember that. What, what, what was that like? Can you talk about that? Because you have, again, we're, you know, speaking to people who maybe want to come into the industry, work in post, you know, college age, high school, even somebody that's doing a career change to say, I've always been interested in this. I just never took the leap to jump out there. What was it like for you being black? You know, only only one in that room, really, maybe. And then having that be your first job with Bodyguard, because that's a that's a big project. Well, Yes, it it was interesting. And again, it's a group effort. So mm-hmm. that was my first ADR recordist gig. Um, and so it's there is definitely some truth into it's not what you know, it's it's who you know. But at the same time, you have to get in there and perform mm-hmm. at the, you cannot drop the ball. So um I would love to say that it was this, well, it was this light shining on me, but I would love to say that they just looked and said, oh, this was great, blah, 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 blah. She's just amazing, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't they, it was that group of of people that I knew. And they said, come on in, you know, um, you don't get this by osmosis. You know, you, you, you have to suit up and show up. And as we all know, be better, not as good. Not as good. Yeah. 
be better. What 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 do you feel like that's in some intangibles that help someone like you or in this in this career actually be better? You know, what are some things that some characteristics, maybe some traits you picked up along the way, maybe a piece of advice that somebody gave you or something you read that was like that helped you take it that next step. You know, uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Jerry Rice. He says, you know, go to extra mile. It's never crowded. And right. think about that. So what are some things that maybe helped you to kind of like push yourself um, that maybe may encourage somebody else? Well, I have a competitive spirit. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's simmering under, but <laughs> I do, I, I do. It's like, well, if you can, if one man can do it, another can, mm-hmm. that's, that's it. If I can do it, you can do it. It's as simple as that. I've often said, if somebody else is better for this chair that I am in, mixing these things I'm mixing. That's who you should have in this chair. Mm. So I need to make sure that there's no one better for this particular chair. Yeah. Yeah. You put it on yourself. It's me. I am my biggest competition. I really, really am. I can't worry about whatever everyone else is doing for a plethora of reasons. Yeah. Uh, You know, because I can't fight that fight. That's a systemic situation. Right. There's, and I'm I'm not going there. there. There's things that you people can do, like, you know, in sports, you know, you can practice more. You know, they talk about basketball, getting a thousand jump shots a day and, you know, golf mm-hmm. and going there. What is it that you can do as, as a as a re-recording? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it that you can do daily to kind of put yourself in that position to be better? Well, I can't speak for everyone else. I can speak to what I do. And what I do is. If I have a session that is starting at 10, I'm there no later than eight o'clock. Mm. I, I'm, I'm early, 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 um, just because I need to zen on in. And if something goes left, it's because something blew up. It wasn't because I wasn't prepared. Mm. Um, the other thing is, is I learn something every day and I've been doing this for 30 years. I learn something every day and it's a joy to do that. So note when you learn something because it's not that you're not learning it's that you're not paying attention that you've learned it you're just glossing over stuff and you're just in robot mode i have a love for what i do yeah and and so i pay attention to it and i give it the honor that it deserves man I don't know if y'all felt that, but we need to pass the offering plate on today because that was a word <laughs> that was just dropped right there. My goodness, I felt it. I felt I, it. Like, it, just, it is how I feel. About glossing over and almost getting into a rut, into a routine mm-hmm. that you're missing the little things. And so it's, you know, you talk about you, and that's why it spoke to me because it, it just feels like sometimes you can not be as alert and you yeah. get caught up in that. And that that's some of the things that probably can happen over what you said, a 30 year career and still going strong. Wow. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, a lot has changed since Rona came to play, mm-hmm. but which has been awesome. Yeah. The new technology. I am having an absolute blast right really? now with the way we're operating. Absolutely. Whether we go back to the way we've operated or, ne- or, or we stay. Le- it's been phenomenal. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Like, what are some of the changes? Like, obviously, that's happened, you know, pre pandemic and after that you that you're seeing that are very very helpful and get you excited about it. Well, absolutely, and 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 I'm glad you've given me this opportunity because I want to take the opportunity to 
applaud every engineer on every lot in this city on, and in this country mm-hmm. for what they did during the pandemic. I was absolutely dumbfounded at how quickly they set up a system that we are able to operate in. It was like it was go time for them. They were like, they've been waiting all their career. (laughs) This is our time, boys, let's go. And they made it happen and it was amazing. So specifically, one of the bigger things that for an ADR mixer, because what we do also is called group ADR. Now, what group ADR is, is all the people you see in the background, in the parks, at games and whatnot, we have to fill that in and make it work. Basketball games, whatever it is. So normally what would happen is all those people would come to the stage. So we'd have a group of anywhere from five to 15 in on the stage and we would make that happen. Well, the pandemic hit and we couldn't make that happen. So they set them up with systems at home and brought me and, and my colleagues in to the stage. And they created a system where we can individually record them and comp those tracks. Wow. Um, so I, that, which was awesome. And so that's kind of, that's not kind of, that's how we're working with group now. Yeah. Um, we did the same thing for principals until it was clear for them to come back to the lot, mm-hmm. um, which has just been recently, actually. Uh, where are we at? Yeah, they started coming back in maybe last October. Wow. This past October, they started coming back onto the lot. But group is still out there. They've all bought mics and preamps and found, you know, built little home stages. Yeah. That, um, and all the engineers you know, made it happen. And if they can't afford one or can't get one, most lots will send a kit out to them so that they can make it happen. And it's not sounding bad. Now I will say this, it's better to have them all in one spot at one spot. It is definitely better, but we are, we're we're right there, man. We've made it work. Yeah. So that's been the major difference. No, that's that's awesome. One one thing I and I've I have I've said this before, so uh, on different episodes, but I've done some voiceovers and going into the studio is definitely different. And then they said, Oh, pandemic, oh, we can set you up at the house. So everything that you said actually happened for me during the pandemic as well. Okay. I was getting okay. sent stuff and having to record from the house and I said, Wait a minute, this is <laughs> This is all this right. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> this will work. This is, you mean I just I got out. I literally got out of my bed and I could just okay. I like this, and so yeah. that, that I can only imagine for you not having to almost like miss a step and to keep running with the ball, like you said, um, to move things forward. Now, 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 in your position, having having had such a career, what are some things that you would like to see? change because obviously from when you started it wasn't a lot of people like yourself in there but we're seeing a little bit more you know the words letters dei you know more diversity and in the post world that's still something that i think we're working on even more what are some things you'd like to see change outside of the technical side in terms of like getting more awareness more opportunities for people like us well, we'll start with the awareness portion of it, because when, as you were speaking, my thought was, I don't know anybody like me mm-hmm. who wants to do what I do. 
Mm. Who knows about them? They may want to. I don't think they know. Mm. Um, so that to me, I'm not seeing me out there. And trust me, I've looked. Yeah. Male or female, I have looked. And I, I, I don't know where, where y'all at? Where you at? So I think the awareness portion of it is the, the big thing. That's the bigger thing because most a lot of people don't know that ADR and Foley exist mm-hmm. or what it is, right. et cetera. The second part of that is once they do know that ex- it exists and they s- decide this is the route I want to go, mm-hmm. things have changed a, a deal, a great deal in terms of how to get there. Okay. You know, um, now, whereas it used to be, you would start off as a recordist and um, or in the sound transfer room like I did. And then I went to recordist and you work, you work your way up. Well, some of those entities don't really exist anymore, i.e. a transfer room, not in the form that it used to. Um, recordist, not in the form that they used to. We used to have recorders. Most ADR and Foley mixers no longer have recordists. Mm. And see, that would be your next step in. You become the recordist and then you'd slide into the mixer chair. Right. Um, so it's a different way of getting there now. And it's kind of through editorial, interestingly or not, or, or being a technician mm. or a little of both, actually. Yeah. So, no, to, I, I think the awareness would be the bigger thing, though. No, to your point, and I think that's true. And like you said, awareness, not even knowing what it is. I think a lot of times people outside of post production, they hear post and they think of editing, and that's really all they think of. And then I know in my in my ignorance, when I was very young, I handed an editor a gig that I did, um, and I expected them. I was like, "Oh, the editing, they'll take care of the color, they'll take the sound," and I got this nice email back to me. <laughs> I like, bet you did. They were like, what you just listed here are seven different jobs, sir. And yes. I, and I wasn't yes. aware. I was just the actor. I was like, oh, that's what the editor does. And he's like, no, you need to find that person. And then do I'm like, well, do you know anybody? So this is the awareness of not even knowing that these are different jobs. I, I get that a lot. People will send stuff to me and I'm like, okay, you need a sound designer. You need somebody who's going to mix it after that. You also, before you hit the sound designer, you need an editor. You know, it's like, but you don't know what you don't know. So I don't fault them for that. I, again, no one knows how many steps go into having this take place. Is there, is there an opportunity for, for mentorship or, or I guess, how do, how do we get, cause obviously with Post and Black, my brother, you know, founded Post and Black, worked in uh, Post for many years as a re-recording mixer himself and, and on the sound side, but how do we get the opportunity to to get this in front of college age, maybe HBCUs, other students? Because I do see it is it is like who you know, but also who knows you. So some of these other people who aren't black, their their kids know they work on this. Like how how would you explain what you do to a to a a high school person, you know, a high school student? Like, hey, this is a job that you can work on. All those things you do on TikTok, you can actually kind of work on and do over here. Listen, listen, these kids and young adults on TikTok, YouTube, they're doing it. They're doing it all. They're doing video. They're doing audio. They're doing the whole kit and caboodle. Um, In terms of internships, it's it's a slippery slope. It's weird because it is still who you know, and it's sad but true. Um, So my mom used to always tell me, if you want to be a lawyer, hang out with lawyers. 
So my first suggestion would be if you want to be in the entertainment industry or in a specific medium of the entertainment industry, find those people and hang out with them. If you don't know where to find them, just just start with, you know, going to a lot. And, and I've always told people, just get a job anywhere on the lot. Yeah. I don't care where you get it, mailroom, whatever you got to do and be doing your other thing behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, the mentorship situation, particularly for what I do, is almost non-existent. You, it's it's crazy. Um, I had, did a mentorship through the academy where I mentored a young lady, and I do those types of mentorships. Um, particular, well, I'll say especially during the pandemic, getting someone on the on the lot is all but impossible right now. Mm -hmm. So as soon as that eases up, I'll have the opportunity to bring more people in and mm -hmm. say, you know, come sit with me for a day. Yeah. You know, come sit with me for a couple of hours to see what I do. Was there um, was there ever someone like that for you? Was there someone uh, that was able to kind of be a light light to you? Um, I know we talked about initially seeing anybody, but once you got in there, even if it wasn't somebody that was black, was there somebody that could still you come under their wing a little bit and like ask a question here or there? I came up during a different time. And absolutely there oh. were. Um, I came into the industry just as mag machines were going out. Mm. So yeah. there were still quite a few interesting things happening on the stage, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was much more free, if that makes any sense. And I knew some people in the industry because, again, coming up in my life, I've always been in areas where people were performing or doing something because that was just my my slipstream. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I did have some people who one in particular, well, several, but one or two in particular that will all I always say that this man is the reason uh, mm. that uh, that helped me. Um, yeah. So yeah, a gentleman named Corey Bailey, who I love dearly. Yeah. Um, and a sound, he was a sound effects editor, and his name was Jeff Sandler. Wow. A and um, it, that was a whole interesting story. Um, but I also had an outside friend who used to work at MGM, and she would take me up to work with her. I just kind of was it's those in places. Those opportunities to get exposed to those things. I have, I have a friend that worked in the music industry, and I just got out here, and they were from California. And everywhere they went, they would take me. They're like, hey, you want to go in this business meeting? And I remember I was like, I can't go in that restaurant. I can't afford that. And he said, well, you don't have to, you don't have to buy the main course. Let's get an appetizer. Right. And and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm I'm educated, all this other stuff. I feel like I'm a smart young man, but my mindset didn't even think, oh, I can order a dessert when I go in there for $15, $20. I don't have to order the $80 steak. Yeah, and you really like, have lobster. Yeah, you just get in the room, be there, get exposed to it, get comfortable. And I absolutely, I had a lot of events with him doing that, and that really opened up my world. And just having those quick little, you know, opportunities for exposure really changed my mindset. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it, and and for me, I was the unicorn, mm -hmm. so they they were as interested in me for whatever reason as yeah. I was in them. Yeah. Um, so 
again, I was in the slipstream. I was where I was supposed to be when I was supposed to be there. And I did what I was supposed to do. And I'm, I'm shocked sometimes and grateful all the time. Hey, I love that. Uh, shocked sometimes, yeah. grateful all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's fine. I, I want before we before we let you go because there's there's obviously a lot we could talk about here. With kind of tapping into that that last part, there is there any additional advice that you would give to to again someone? Obviously, you talk about who you know, perseverance, but the, all all these obstacles that you you've kind of worked your way through, and you're still seeing some there. But it, like that that little nudge, because having a thirty year career is not easy. And some, some, you know, being in the industry for three months sometimes can cause burnout. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is, 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 there, yeah. is, is there something that you say, hey, when you get to this mile marker, it's okay. You know, do a self-check here. Is there something that you would, you know, would advise or, or any wisdom you have? Okay. There are a couple of things. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be transparent with you. I did not realize that I have done what I have done till about four or five years ago. Wow. I looked back and said, holy shit, you, you did this. And I didn't know I had done this. Um, I was saddened that I was still the only me, but I was again, grateful. Um, I realized that you can't take it. It's done. It's in the books. Mm-hmm. You can't, do anything. So how do I help? And my suggestion to everyone, number one, and I'm sure most people have heard this, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. There has not been a day, I don't care how bad it was, how stressful it was that I did not absolutely, I was just in my playpen going, Lord Jesus, we made it through. Um, Try again, I'll say this again, try to learn something every day. Reach out reach out um, and and don't give up. But if you are fighting all the time, then you might wanna rethink some things, not necessarily what you're doing, but rethink some things because something, it, yeah. if it costs you your peace, it's too expensive. And so you'll know, you'll know, but I know that the things that I'm saying is coming from age and wisdom. I know because I remember when I was 30 something years old, you know, trying to get it. Um, Don't give up. I will always say that. I I, I still say learn as much as you can. Learn something every day and pay attention to it. Yeah. Pay attention to it. Uh, That would be my advice and, and stay grateful. And don't pay attention to other folks, what they're doing. That's that's not your business. You know, if you need some information, try to get it. Some will give it to you. Some won't. But it's out there. So you just move on to the next one. But all the political brouhaha and all that other stuff, mm -mm. Mm -mm. you know, don't do it. it. Because, see, if I can jump up and down all I want to. But if I'm not here to talk to you, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And me jumping up and down would mean I probably wouldn't be here to talk to you. I have to know where to jump up and down. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if that's helpful or not, but it's it, it's what it, it was. It, it's helpful. It's encouraging. You know, even even me speaking to you, asking that question, you know, I'm 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 37. I don't mind saying it. And it's it's funny <laughs> hearing that you say, like, yeah, I was figuring out in 30. And I'm you know, some days I'm in my mind like, 
man, what am I doing? How am I supposed to do this? And you're like, you are right where you're supposed to be. You know you what are. I mean? You and are. Very Stay weird. grateful and and pay it forward, and it'll always is. That's the way it works. I don't care what any. I don't care how you're how ladder climbing. I don't care. It doesn't matter about all that. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's gonna get. Yeah, it's gonna get different for you, and you don't want that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you've shared so much wisdom. What what is something as we get you out of here on this? What what are some things you're working on right now that we can be excited to, you know, maybe keep an eye out for coming up here uh, in the future? Okay, I'm going to say my favorite show used to be that I worked on used to be Thelma and Louise. That was so much fun. Yeah, it has been. It has been uprooted and taken away. I just uh, got through doing Bel Air. So I did the whole season of Bel Air. Um, with Morgan and, and the kids and, and all everybody. And yeah. it was an absolute joy. I had so much fun looking forward to season two. And so that's been my favorite show. That's my yeah. favorite show. And I, and I love that uh, for two reasons. Obviously, my, my family originally, I was born in D.C., but my family, my parents are from Philadelphia. So Fresh Prince was always great. And then yeah. I actually have a good friend, um, from London, and our mutual friend is uh, Jimmy Akimbola, who played Jeffrey. Ah, Jeffrey so, is my, Jeffrey so is my that, dude. Jimmy, we just celebrated his birthday, so that's that's my guy. So when you yeah. mentioned LA, I, I started lighting up. For those of you that are listening, you can't see my smile, but I'm, I'm trying to say right here. <laughs> well, if you see Jimmy before I do, you tell him I said hello. I will definitely Jimmy. let him know. I will definitely let him That's a small world. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, and, indeed. And, then, and then can people keep in touch with you anywhere before we get you out of here? Is there a LinkedIn, maybe reach out or anything? Like you that? can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I oh. am under Jesse Dodd. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. So you can feel free to reach out and I'll be happy to do what I can, when I can, yeah. where I can. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jesse, yeah. thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you joining us on Posting Black for sure. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. You be well. I will, I will. And for those of you that are tuning in, listening and watching, we thank you for watching another episode of Post and Black. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media channels at Post and Black and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Until next time, take care, be safe. Peace.